I was talking to a really close friend of mine the other day, um, Silas Rossi, who's an excellent uh, mountain guide and instructor, teacher. And he mentioned he was had listened to some of my recent episodes and um, and referenced one in particular, the high ground, and where I was talking about multi pitch descent options, and um, and we were talking about train familiarity and how that plays into some of the decision making process, and thought it might be a good topic to talk about, and it is. So. There's kind of like two pieces to this, really, if you think about it. There's terrain fam- familiarity, and there's kind of on-siteing, on-site guiding. And just to kind of back up and look at things in a more historical perspective, right, the the notion of the guide who travels around the country or the world and guides in all these places and blah, 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 is really much more of a newer concept in a lot of ways. If you look at like the history of mountain guiding, at least in Europe, um, you know, you have the Alps, which have all these significant peaks and then all these valleys. And and as the profession was beginning, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to travel from one valley to the other very easily right, until there was more modern transportation options. So the model very much was that guides didn't travel significantly. They would oftentimes stay in their valleys. So if you were someone looking to hire a guide and you wanted to climb – the Matterhorn, for example, you would go to that valley and then there would be families and guides that were kind of traditional to that area that would be who you would look for to guide. So you would be like a specialist in a particular valley, for example. You might be a specialist on a particular peak or you might even be a specialist on a particular route and you didn't really travel to other places. So if you were in um, Zermatt, you didn't go to Chamonix just because it was challenging to do that. Um, I mean, it did happen to some degree where guides would travel, but that really wasn't the model. And you actually can read historical accounts of people going to the Himalayas and hiring European guides to kind of help with the expeditions. And they actually weren't that good when they got there because they weren't in terrain that they were familiar with. Um, so that familiarity piece is is pretty key. That local knowledge is pretty interesting. And I think in terms of having familiarity and how that can couple in with technical stuff in particular, which will ultimately affect an outcome of an experience, the more you know about a certain climb, um, a certain area, so that could be the weather, that could be the approach, that could be the time the light hits it, all of those things allows you to really push a technique you know, maybe a little bit further than, than versus if you were on siding, for example, in unfamiliar terrain, you might be a little bit more conservative how you, you do certain things. Um, like, for example, pre-rigging versus sending a client down first. But when you have really good familiarity, you can actually do stuff that seems not by the book a little bit because you know where someone's going. You know what's down there. You know that there's a, a hidden hole around the corner so you can coach those things. Um, and I think that allows you to really maximize and also fully express certain techniques. And it could be a technical thing. It could be a soft skill thing. It could be a movement thing um, because you know it so well. Um, and you see that all the time is people can get away with maybe having less um, skill, but they know the terrain so well so they can actually move through it actually pretty well and relatively safely, even though they may not have the best technical skill. Um, 
you could definitely can see that in certain places for sure. Um, and you actually see that with techniques sometimes. Like sometimes I, there are techniques where I'm like, oh, that's kind of a mediocre technique. But this person knows that mediocre technique so well that they can kind of make it work, even though I would argue like, well, just learn another technique that might be a little bit better. Um, but you can see that too, that familiarity piece, which is kind of interesting. Um, so I think we shouldn't underestimate what terrain familiarity in particular will allow us to do with certain technical systems, whether that's multi-pitch guiding or single-pitch guiding, ski guiding or whatever. Um, it's pretty key. And it's, it's really interesting, like when you know terrain in particular, in an area so well, it's amazing how specific and customized an experience you can give somebody because you know exactly the right thing and the right place to put them and the move that's going to like really flow with them. Like I oftentimes say like, like I want to bring the terrain to the client, not the client to the train. I'm like, Oh, this train needs to go to this client. And I know the train so well, like this movement pattern that I've watched them do, I, I need to get this train over here to, for this client so they can do this movement. Um, I just had this experience the other day with a client. We were doing some stuff. We were out for two days and I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to push him on to this route because it's kind of the same movement that he just did here and he did well. And then next thing you know, he climbed 510 for his first time because I knew the terrain so well. And then couple that with skill and, and all the other things that a guide can bring to the table. So familiarity is a big deal. Never underestimate the familiarity. You also have to be careful because familiarity also creates complacency. So we have this like yin and yang piece with familiarity. So it's not uncommon for guides to get hurt or even killed on terrain that's well within their ability and terrain they know very, very well. So that's that complacency, complacency piece. So if you are in a train set that you know super well and you're like going to push a technique a little bit more because you're like, you know it really well, but then you don't really read your client well. So there's, there's always a dynamic that's changing. And that's at some point when you know the terrain and the tools um, to move in terrain, um, whether that's hard skills or soft skills so well, the piece that changes is the, is the client. That's what still keeps me interested in working in terrain set that I know really well is like, I'm not worried about the terrain and the, and the techniques anymore. The client's the interesting thing. That's the part that's always changing and evolving. So if you don't couple that recognition of the client in that terrain with the tools, you can still have complacency and still have something that could lead to some sort of you know, less than favorable outcomes. So you can't just be like, oh, I know this terrain super well. I can just push this technique here if it doesn't match with your client. So that's super, super key. So I will still use more conservative decisions with techniques and in terrain that I know super well because it just, that's what's appropriate for that client. So that's kind of like a yin and yang. We always have to evaluate what we're doing and why we're doing it. Right, I always have young guides. I'm like, when we're kind of doing on working on some training, I'm like, why are you here on this route? Like, why would you choose this route? So, let's look at why we're here. What's the reasons? You know, what's the decision trees that you're here? So, if you can understand why, you can start to manipulate maybe what you choose to do and why you're choosing to do it. Once again, all of this stuff is just to facilitate a positive outcome for your clients. So being able to adapt and change is really key, um, which I think is pretty awesome. You know, you know, and that's really different than on-siting, right? I like to on-site guide. It's stressful, 
but it allows you to test your skills um, and see how you do in new terrain. Because ultimately, when you get do this game long enough, you start to realize that things are more alike than they are different. So you can see the commonalities, which allows you just to have less stress, move more efficiently in new terrain, um, provide still a high level of experience that might be a little bit more nuanced, um, even though you're in unfamiliar terrain. Um, but that's recognizing the commonalities in the situation versus the differences in the situation. And I think some of the topics I've talked about, you know, like my friend Silas was mentioning, he's like, oh, when you're talking about descending, I could completely see you descending this route because I know the route really well too. And that's true. I, sometimes I have that idea in my head about um, a certain route when I'm thinking about this. But at the same time, I'm also talking in more general concepts. Like here are these concepts that will apply everywhere. But if you know the route super well, you know, these things are easier to deal with, you know, for example. Um, but the on-site thing is also very interesting. Um, and it's the interesting thing is like on-siting is, I used to think it's the true test of your skill as a guide. And that's not true. It's just one way of adding, you know, uncertainty and then dealing with that uncertainty. Sure, on-siting does force you into recognizing some core fundamental concepts and how to deal with those. But, you know, like, like, like taking an exam, if you go take an AMJ exam, that is, is one way of evaluating people. And some people are just naturally better at those types of environments where if you know the train super, super well, like that's another way of evaluating. It's like you can show a super high level of skill because you know the train and techniques so well that's different than on-siding. So we kind of have these paradigms that are skewed towards a certain type of way of thinking or someone who can handle a certain type of stressor, which only really shows that that person can kind of function in that particular environment where people who may not do as well in that environment, say on-siding, for example, but can provide a exceptional experience in familiar terrain. So it's just an interesting thing when you look at actually how we evaluate things, whether it's just on-siting versus um, being in familiar terrain, but then how we evaluate that new person. So you're on-siting that person really versus the terrain or how we evaluate anything, whether you're in taking a, uh, a test in school, right? That really is only one way of evaluating in some ways a somewhat narrow group of people. So if you don't do well in that environment, it doesn't mean you're not skilled. It just means that's not the, the most appropriate way of assessing your skill sets, um, which is kind of interesting. That's a little bit of an aside from this topic, but it's, it is all linked there. So I do think the on-siting piece and the familiar, train familiarity piece is pretty interesting. But anytime you have more uncertainty, whether you're on-siting, which you usually have a lot of uncertainty, or you're in familiar terrain and you have uncertainty about your client, you have to fall back to more conservative decisions because you have less information. And when you have less information, you need to be more conservative. Once you have more data points, then you can start to expand those decisions a little bit more, whether you're in new terrain or you're in familiar terrain. Um, so as much as I would love people to hire me to go everywhere with them all over the world, um, you know, if you really want to ski the best powder in a certain area, 
hire a local guide. They're going to give you the best powder. Someone who's been there all season, knows the train super well, knows like the sunshade lines really well, and just knows all that stuff. Like I can go in and do a pretty good job in a new spot for sure. But, um, you know, just like if you want to climb a certain route, um, hire someone who's really good at that route, who knows it super well, like whatever that route may be. And you're going to have a, you know, I don't want to say a better experience, but you're going to have someone who knows the terrain more and can kind of like work through that a little bit better. Um, it's kind of interesting. That's one of the reasons why I try to go to Iceland every spring. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to go the last two springs because of COVID. Um, so I'm really familiar and constantly getting more and more familiar with that train. So when I ski guide there, I can offer more dynamic, more nuanced ski guiding because I know the train better. So every time I go there, I try to ski in some new trains. So I have that in my my back pocket. Um, so kind of making a commitment to go to a place that is not where I normally work you know, year round, but a place I'm going to keep going to every year. So I can take clients there and have a higher level of of uncertainty or higher level of certainty rather and be able to do a better job performing. So terrain familiarity is, is a big deal. Um, couple that with technique familiarity. So um, kind of an interesting thing to think about a little bit.